What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the full 10 yards college football podcast and I'm back. I haven't been on the podcast for about, I don't know, five, six weeks with the Euros and getting COVID and yeah, all those fun things. But I'm back and it is an exciting time to be a a football fan because college football is nearly here and the NFL season is nearly here. So great time to go into our summer scouting series. And today we're going to be talking about quarterbacks. I'm joined by the magnificent, the wonderful Kieran. Kieran, how are you? I'm good, mate. Glad to hear you've recovered as well. It's, it's, it's been a long time since we've been able to chat football properly. I know. I, you know what? I, I think COVID's done something to me because I would never have said magnificent and wonderful maybe six weeks ago. I just said, and Kieran. But you know what? All, all the superlatives are coming out now. Mate, you've, maybe you've watched a couple of LSU games and realised I'm not always that wrong. Maybe that's what got me COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway. to be honest, last season, mate, there weren't many catches being made at LSU, so I doubt you would have caught it there. No, I was, I was mainly watching Isaiah Spiller actually running through LSU last year. That was, uh, yeah, that don't was painful. Don't, but, don't remind me. Uh, we, but, but, we, got, we got carved up for 500 plus yards by a man named Kevin. Uh, no, I know, but that, that may be a, a further conversation when we talk about running backs in the coming weeks. So yeah, just to give a bit of introduction to today. So we're going to be doing some summer scouting. So it's an opportune time to look at which quarterbacks could potentially be coming out uh, next year into the NFL draft. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to have our top five lists. And then we're going to talk about someone that's maybe overhyped in, in the current landscape, because there are mock drafts starting to sort of veer their head in, on, on Twitter across the platform so yeah who who could be overhyped and who's a dark horse so who could be this year's Zach Wilson potentially who's going to rise through the ranks and perform amazingly at this year's college season so um Kieran I'm I'm going to let you kick away and it's good this is going to be so interesting because I think we just had a talk about who we have as our top five and it's going to be a few shocks there so who do you have as your number five quarterback this year I have a man who Gave me night terrors last year after one particular game, and it's old Mrs. Matt Coral. It's probably a shock to some people, but I really like what he's doing out there. He's looked, like I said, uh, I kind of agree with you in terms that you, you said he can look a bit lazy and sort of relied on the Lane Kiffin system. But I think, you know, if he knuckles down this year and makes a couple more NFL throws, I think we can potentially looking at him being the fifth quarterback off the board. Yeah, I, I I can see why you've got him in the top five. I think some of his mistakes last year, they were really dumb mistakes, like real mental errors. And those are the things you can clear up in terms of mechanics and technique and, and sort of how he navigates himself in the pocket and off script as well. I think he's definitely got those traits that really could elevate him to, I don't know, like maybe a, a smaller version of Dak Prescott, like that kind of type of quarterback. But it's those mental mistakes that he needs to clear up this year that can maybe elevate him into the top, the upper echelons of, of, of sort of the draft next year. 
And I don't think he's maybe as accurate as like a Dak Prescott or whatever, but but accuracy all comes from mechanics. And I think with another year, just making sure everything's perfect, I think he can really be that guy. And he, the one thing that he really needs to work on mechanically is that little hop step that we, we see from some younger quarterbacks where they tend to like hop around on that lead leg a little bit rather than just planting it and throwing. But I think, you know, another year... They've had a great offseason. He looked okay when they played the spring game. So I think that that will potentially not be a problem in this coming year. But he is not going to have guys like Elijah Moore to rely on, even though there's a good stable of receivers there. It's going to be interesting to see how he does with a guy who wasn't, you know, almost the first round pick. Yeah, that's going to be a massive miss for him. And I know we were all high on Elijah Moore. I know especially Andy was really high on Elijah Moore. So that void in the offense is going to be something to view. But or miss know how to produce wide receivers. Just look at who they produced: DK Metcalf and uh, Swag Kelly. Yeah, and oh, AJ Brown as well. So they they know how to produce receivers. So let's let's see what they've got. But it was really interesting you said about losing weapons because number five for me is Sam Howell. Now I think he was out of all the quarterbacks we're going to talk about today. He was he benefited most from the weapons he had in terms of both the running game and the passing game. Now, in the Phil Longo system, it's a very much a vertical-style offense, four-vert-style offense, whereby the the deep ball is the one for for him. And with the Army Brown there, and and obviously Daz Daz Newsom who played in the slot as well, there was just all those receiving options. There were just – there was so much choice for him. But I just – with quarterbacks, it's the eye test for me. And there's just something that does not sit well with me with regards to. I think of the way it's, it's the way he reads the game. And that there was a there was a, a game against I think Florida State last year, whereby Diami Brown was wide wide open in the in the end zone. But his his progressions, I don't think he's got that mental IQ that I want to see of a of a top quarterback. Yeah, he's got the the gunslinger um, sort of traits and and yeah i can see where how that can translate to the nfl but yeah just the ice something just does not sit right with me with regards to sort of his game and it's going to be really interesting this season without all those weapons how he's going to perform yeah they have got some receivers uh coming back from injury and and some true freshmen that are there as well but uh yeah i know andy did an article on on the acc and and obviously what's from UNC, but it's going to be so interesting. Obviously, he's been mocked at the minute as one of the top quarterbacks to come out, but it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens to him this year. Yeah, and I don't want to be that guy uh, because this is the comparison we're hearing a lot. Um, we're hearing the Baker Mayfield comparison a lot, and I don't think it's necessarily appropriate just because he's not a Baker Mayfield in the way that he's a game manager. I think he can actually make big plays that make a difference. And now I know Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma was wholly different from like kind of what we're seeing in the NFL right now. We see the last season, he was just a game manager. He had Chubb and Hunt to lean on. Um, And I think Howard's personally a little bit more talented than Baker, but then again, Baker Mayfield was also taken first overall. Um, So potentially um, even if, the traits aren't there. Like he's not the most athletic guy, but he is fairly accurate. Um, but he does make a lot of silly, silly mistakes, which is once again, a thing that you can, you can learn that in an off season. Look at a guy like a Josh Allen or whatever. Um, so while I don't think he's like this generational sort of guy, I still think he's a first round in terms of 
he's very, very talented. And what I see, I like a lot. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get further up the list. Do you think, do you think that offence is quite simple? So it's maybe masking some of the th- things that he hasn't really discovered in this game yet? Yeah, it, it looks like... Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a weird analogy, but like, it looks like a kid who just takes the coach suggestions on like Madden or whatever. Yeah. It, 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 it's a stable of very simple plays where he can get the ball out quickly. Doesn't need to, you know, doesn't rarely need to go past his first or second progression. And he, he can throw a decent amount of checkdowns if he needs to. He does try and make the big play sometimes and it does pay off sometimes doesn't pay off at other times we've seen some of the horrible interceptions he's had but it, it, it's just a very simple system and the fact that I like him so much it does worry me that if he goes to the NFL and he is seeing more exotic defenses and maybe having to learn a more complex playbook he might struggle a little bit. Uh, it's really interesting you say the Baker Mayfield comparison because I actually think a more apt comparison for him is Joe Burrow Oh, I don't know about that. I don't, I, I, yeah, ooh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Baker's the easy comparison because of even the way he looks. But I think Baker has more arm talent than Sam Howell. I think he, he's got a slightly stronger arm than Sam Howell for me. And his, I, I can see a Joe Burrow. If, if, if Sam Howell elevates his game, I can see a, him being compared more to Joe Burrow by the end of end of end of this college football season I, I don't think his IQ's there personally the, yeah. the thing is people forgetting like all these comparisons that get drawn to Joe Burrow pre-season or, or at the start of the season we've seen it with guys like Kyle Trask and it doesn't hold up from the IQ perspective because if you watch Joe's 2019 season at LSU they're basically giving him a formation and a couple of routes and then he would go out there and make adjustments that's why him and Joe Brady work so well together they were saying whatever you see adjust around what you see and I don't think how has that sort of um I don't think he has the sort of football brain like that then again that is something that could be learned and I'm not sure his ball play smart and I think is quite as good. But then again, Joe Burrow, before going into his senior year, was one of the most average guys in college football. He was looked at as sort of like a fifth, sixth round, maybe even UDFA sort of guy. Um, time will tell. This is the thing with these quarterbacks. We come in uh, and we do this. Like last year, we, we probably had guys go in in the first round that, didn't even get picked up in the end. Guys like Shane Bouchel, who ended up going later, but it was really the guys who surprised us, the guys like the Zach Wilson, who just seemingly came out of nowhere. Obviously, they were on people's boards, but elevated themselves from fourth to first round in just one season. So it'd be interesting to see how we talk about him going into the draft as going into the season. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting, yeah. Um, Who's your number four? My number four, potentially controversial, Keaton Slovis. Now, I know there's sort of this there's sort of this thing attached to USC that they're a bust factory for NFL quarterbacks. We sort of see it with like Michigan and USC is one of those schools where people like if a quarterback comes out of there, they're a bust. We've seen it with Matt Barkley, Sam Darnold, um, Matt Liner. None of these guys have really panned out and there's still time for Sam Donald, but none of these guys are really panned out. But I think he's 
different, especially from Sam Darnold. The biggest problem I had with Sam Darnold was turnovers in it before he come out. And I said that probably puts him into the second round. Jets didn't agree, but Adam Gase was running the show. So you kind of saw what happened there. Um, I just think he, he takes what the defense gives him, which is what I like. He's not constantly trying to make big plays or hero throws. Um, if it's a first down and 10, he'll, he'll take a two yard pass um, across the middle or, or a check down because he knows there's more passes coming up later on. And, and that, yeah, that's what I like about him. He reminds me of this is a bad comparison considering his NFL journey, but Dwayne Haskins at Ohio state, he's fine dinking and dunking, but every so often, he will put a thirty-yard bomb in the end zone. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, um, I'm on the other side of the fence to you, mate. And we'll go, we'll we'll talk about Mr. Slovis later on. But all I can say is, without Drake London, I don't think he would be anywhere near the conversations that he's in now. Because I think having Drake London there as a safety blanket, also alongside Amon Ra St. Brown, he had last year and Tyler. And I was, Tyler I was about Vaughan. to say that, yeah, yeah, and Tyler Vaughan's as well. Like that receiving court makes him look better than what he is and Drake London is uh, a hybrid tight end wide receiver he's huge he's like Mike Evans basically and yeah. you can you can just lob the ball up to Drake London and he can he can make plays where ba- well basically Slovis would just throw it up throw it up there and say go on Drake London make that play and it's there isn't there's no skill there it's just pure backyard football yeah that's what I mean by some of Look, he will, like I said, he will occasionally make those big plays. And I, I, w- I will say, I feel like he's been bailed out of some potentially uh, in- harrowing interceptions just by the physicality of his receivers. Um, but like I said, I just like the way he, he manages the field. And he, like, like I said, the IQ thing, a summit you've got to keep an eye on in the final year. But I liked what I saw mostly last year. But about this list, no quarterback on this list is perfect. Exactly. Well, his true freshman season was better than last year, right? When he when he yeah. came in for JT Daniels, like that was uh, that was he was probably better then because I think but, last year he was dealing with some sort of elbow injury, which may have made him turn me off him especially. But it, it's one of those things where I don't like to see a quarterback in decline from their first to their second year. You want to see progression. The Pac-12 was a mess last year, though. I don't think anyone in the Pac-12 can say they performed to the best of their ability. And I don't know whether that was just how much of a shit show the Pac-12 was last year in terms of uh, the COVID games and everything, but it. I, I'm hoping he bounces back this year and I predict he'll probably have his best year yet. Yeah, no, it's fair enough. We, we, we all will have, this is a game of opinion. So this is why we love it, eh? And, exactly. And, and talking about love, I know you love this guy. And I love this guy as well. My number four quarterback is Desmond Ridder. Um, yes. Yes, definitely. Now, I think it was the best decision for him to come back this year because you can see the progression year upon year in terms of his biggest knock is probably his accuracy. But his best season last year for accuracy was last year. So if I, I would have thought if he came out last year, he was probably going to be a third round, maybe fourth round quarterback. By having that extra season, improving his accuracy, and work, and still performing with that dual threat quarterback in terms of his running game, he's such a beast of a runner in, in the running game. But he's got serious arm talent. Like he has got some zip on his throws, and 
if he can just improve his accuracy and improve that short to intermediate game, I can see him maybe being elevated above the fourth spot I've put him in because he's got he's a fun quarterback to watch. And that Cincinnati team are a fun team to watch. They've got some real top players for next year's draft. They could have, if Desmond Ridder makes that progression to this year, they could have potentially two to three first rounders next year. So and Luke Fickle is a great coach. He, like, Very good coach. He, he's maybe not getting enough credit. I know obviously his time at Ohio State was let's say mediocre and maybe marred by controversy. But what he's done with this Cincinnati Bearcats program is exceptional. They they had Marcus Freeman, who obviously was a big part of their season defensive coordinator. He killed it all season. They had probably one of the best defenses in college football that only really seemed to unravel against a top 10 team in Georgia, a team who, you know, were looking at maybe going for the SEC championship that year due to like teams like LSU being more depleted than normal. And, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter, he didn't look great in that uh, bowl game against Georgia, but he went out there and he played to the best of his ability. And what I like about his physical traits um like you said, he's got a cannon for an arm. It is ridiculous, the velocity he puts on that thing. Um, and he kind of reminds me... I'm going to get so much shit for this comparison. Kind of kind of reminds me of Patrick Mahomes and where he was at at Texas Tech. Because, <clears throat> sorry, very big arm, some great physical traits. He's maybe a bit faster and a bit more athletic than Patrick Mahomes. But he was very unrefined. And we've seen this with guys like Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, even Jay Cutler to an extent, who flamed out quickly. But look at the arm talent he had. If you can refine that, you can become a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Top three quarterbacks, top uh, three of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now are Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and then a guy who's probably just eking into the top 10 is Justin Herbert. And these were guys with ridiculous arm talent, very good physical traits. They just needed it to be refined. And look what happened to every single one of these guys after they had some refinement or got into a system that fit them. And I think you're going to get that with Desmond Ritter. And this is the perfect leadoff point for us because he's actually my number three. Yeah, and I completely agree with what you say. His arm is just is, is a cannon, like you said. But I think another benefit to what he's done in Cincinnati is they play a very heavy RPO system. And mm-hmm. that is a very NFL-style system nowadays. A lot of teams are adopting it. And that would be, if he can really perfect that, then he could be more NFL-ready than a lot of the other quarterbacks that are coming out this year. And with that experience, being a senior and having – we all know that the more reps you have at college, the better it is for that transition to the NFL – yeah, there's a lot to like. And if you can just get that accuracy, clean it up and, and develop his game, like I said, the short intermediate route routes, it's exciting. Yeah. It, it, and see, the thing is, it's hard to draw comparisons because he, he's, he's like, he's more athletic than a Patrick Mahomes, but he has a very similar way that he puts velocity and zip on the ball. And then, like, he's not quite as athletic as a Lamar Jackson, but his arm is better. So it, it's really hard to, like, try and compare him to some, which is why I used three players to compare him to rather than just the one. Because um, he is like Josh Allen, but he's obviously not as large and as physical as Josh Allen. So he's going to be so dangerous, if, especially if he goes to a team that really needs a guy and they can let him sit for a year. 
I even yeah. think what he's going to do in the NFL. Yeah, someone like, I don't know, Atlanta Falcons sit behind Matt Ryan for a year and then with all those weapons and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, like that cannon of an arm could be absolutely, oh. It's going to be ridiculous. I, I shudder to think like how he has got the potential to pretend, to be the best quarterback out of this group. It's, it's 100%. Just, in terms of ceiling, he yeah. is the best quarterback in the group, but not every player he reaches that ceiling. We've seen a lot of guys with incredible talent never really hit their full potential. So he does, he will need to go to the right team to sort of fulfill the potential he actually has. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Um, so he's your number three. My number three is Nevada's Carson Strong. So why do I like him so much? Well, every time you watch the, every time you watch the tape, it, it's a case of you watch him and you watch his, his, his wide receiver, Romeo Dubs, and they've just got this connection. But if you actually notice Strong, he's poisoned the pocket. He's got a, a more than adequate arm. He knows how to throw the deep ball. His IQ is, is, is impressive. He knows how to read the field. He knows how to go through his progressions. He's, his cerebral sort of processes, you, you can tell he, he knows what he's doing in the pocket. He's not scared in the pocket either, which is what I like to see. And he throws with anticipation. All those traits really translate well to what we want in a, in, a, in, a, in a great NFL quarterback. The only thing that he needs to refine is, I think, his footwork in the pocket, because he's just he, he, he look he can look quite stiff. But again, that can be coached out with another season of college football. And if he can still maintain that connection with Romeo Dubs, uh, the, he's going to be a big riser up these boards. He's already being talked about a lot at the minute with him and another guy who we'll get on to, but I, there's a lot of potential there to work with. And, and he has the prototypical body type, 6'4", 210, 215. Like that is, if you want to build a quarterback in a lab, that's the kind of, that's the kind of uh, body type that you want from, from a quarterback. Yeah. John Elway is frothing at the mouth and I like him, but this is the problem with another guy we're going to talk about later. He's not on our list, but he's a guy who's just, just outside of the list, but he's definitely going to get mentioned. And it, it, it's in terms of the competition he's playing against, because obviously the Mountain West Conference is, you know, the best teams there is Boise State and that's Boise State. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not exactly like he's playing against powerhouse defenses week in, week out, but Certainly there is talent there. And like you said, he is that prototypical quarterback. He's got the body type. He's got, you know, but he, he can look stiff. But I think next season, if we see him play some non-power, no, play, see him play some power five teams and see how he looks against them, that'll be a really gauge of how good a quarterback he is. Because I, I sh look, I, I nearly felt this way about Desmond Ritter. Like, how am I going to? gauge him when he's he's only played like one power five team realistically since we've seen him be do, doing great so it's, it's another guy i just want to see him play some power five teams some slightly more exotic defense just to see how he deals with it uh, and he could potentially then creep into my top five if he does well yeah but, but in saying that that doesn't stop people from looking at uh like for instance trey lance and carson wentz for example it's sometimes it's not just about the who they play but it's about their traits as a quarterback and both of those mm -hmm. they they were prototypical size arm talent it's they, like you just mentioned about ceiling 
yeah exactly 100 percent. so yes i agree that if you, if, you, if you can play some more exotic defenses and maybe if romeo dubs is not in in the wide receiving core like what can he do elsewhere but there's a lot to work with there there's a de- and he's got two years of experience so three years worth of college experience again like we said earlier reps 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 mean so much in today's nfl like there is a lot to work with yeah and it this is the hard thing about evaluating quarterbacks especially because i i missed on mahomes i missed on herbert and who's the other guy i missed on most recently joe burrow (laughs) it wouldn't be me um and also Tua to an extent, but you know we're we're gonna have to see what he does next year. I I didn't even think he'd be as good as he was. Um, but these these are things we the quarterback position is hard because it's, it's mistakes you don't learn from. Because you you'd have thought I'd have learned from Patrick Mahomes about uh, Justin Herbert. So this is like the really interesting evaluation process we get into, and we're like these quarterbacks are going to need to go to some real ideal situations to fit in where there's maybe two guys we've both got on our list who wherever they go, they're going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, right. Going on to you, you mentioned three, haven't you? Who's your number three again? Oh, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. So do you want to talk a little bit more about Ritter? Uh, No. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think I've sort of covered everything with him because he like like we both said, he's just a ridiculous arm talent. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. Cool. So we'll move on to number two. Who's your number two? This is going to shock a lot of people because he's kind of at a lot of a top of a lot of people's list. But it's Spencer Rattler, and I'm trying not to be too biased because I think he's an absolute fucking wanker. I think he's one of like the biggest dickheads in college football right now. But he's a ridiculously talented quarterback and. His first year at Oklahoma, not great. I'm going to be honest with you. He looked shaky, looked like he didn't know what was going on, looked like he didn't understand the schemes. But last year, my God, he looked fantastic, didn't he? He, oh, he is so oh, he is so good. That arm talent is incredible. And that arm talent all comes from that snap of the wrist. Like he, and it looks effortless. Oh, it's a, it, an arm talent we know. That is what teams look at nowadays. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. That's why the 49ers trade up all that capital for Trey Lance, arm talent. This guy, I think of all the quarterbacks that have come out of Oklahoma in the last four years, so Baker, Kyler, Jalen Hurts, and now uh, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler is that, I think he's the most complete out of all of them. Baker, maybe... For the accuracy levels and his game management, he was probably the best out of the, out of the four. Kyler Murray, dual threat, absolutely incredible with his legs. And then Hurts, obviously good with his legs and uh, an average pass. And obviously that's, that's shown within the last few games at the Philly. But Rattler's arms, arm talent is ridiculous. It's so much better than all of those. And in a, in a Lincoln Riley air raid offense, like it, it is just like heaven for him. It is absolutely heaven. He is so good. There's all these comparisons, always the mini Mahomes. I think this year could be special. Like really, that that Oklahoma team could be seriously, seriously special. 
I, I can't believe you didn't mention Dallas Renegades legend Landry Jones when talking about Oklahoma quarterbacks, mate. Yeah, I, I was I was <laughs> I was picking and choosing what best fit with my argument and just eliminating the ones that didn't fit. So no, he, he's ridiculous. And we see from QB1 Beyond the Lights, he's been groomed from a very young age to be this. He was a blue chip quarterback, and, and blue chip quarterbacks tend to go to the schools like Oklahoma. And we saw on QB1 Beyond the Lights, his whole life was eat, sleep, drink, quarterback. That was everything he did was about being a quarterback. And he loved the idea of being a quarterback. And he loved going out there and slinging the ball. And I, I think if we're talking in terms of who is the most pro-ready, probably have to pick him mm. because he, he is just ridiculously talented. And the thing with him is I think he has the highest floor out of anyone here. I don't think he has the highest ceiling, but I think he has the highest floor, which makes him a very, very safe pick because I think even, you know, even now you could slot him into an NFL team this season and he wouldn't perform horribly. He would still... It'd still, you know, probably dig out at least five or six wins on a season and put up modest stats. So I'm interested to see what he can do this final year at Oklahoma because he he clearly... The thing is, I don't know if he has that it factor that we see with certain guys, which is why I have Desmond Ritter so high because I think he has that it factor. Um, and I don't think Spencer Rattler possesses that. Despite that, I still think he's going to be a franchise quarterback somewhere. And I still think he's going to play for the same team for at least 10 years and take them to the playoffs multiple times. I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he has what it takes to be that guy. But that's in my eyes. I know a lot of people see him as that. Yeah, so I think he, I'm the opposite. I think he has that it factor. And it's the, it's the way he's able to create plays off script as well. And creating those plays off script with that cannon of an arm and the velocity he, he generates, like there's a high football IQ there. And like you said, he, he sleeps, drinks, quarterback play. And you can tell the way he plays. He's, he's going through his progressions. He's and there's and there's things he needs to work on. Like his accuracy, he needs to work on. He's had one full year of starting. So another year to work on these things. And from year one to year two, that's where you really see the jump up from clearing up those things, having a full spring camp getting rid of the nerves as, 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 as a first-year starter, knowing that you are the man that could take Oklahoma to the national championship. Like, and he's cocky, right? We all know he's cocky. He's, he's, mm-hmm. He walks around with a chip on his shoulder. You tell me that he, him thinking to himself, I'm the best, best quarterback in college football at the minute, do you not think that's just going to eke out an extra 5%, 10% in him? With some guys, that might dampen their expectations and then they crumble but with, with Spencer Rattler I just think that's just going to like give him the chip on his shoulder and think you know what let's go out there and prove it every Saturday yeah I, I think he would actually end up performing better if he slipped down a draft board a little bit and slipped like a bit later into the first round honestly because even though you can tell from seeing him on the show he's he's never had to work for anything really in his life he's naturally gifted at football his parents are quite well off he's never had the struggle like some other players are i still think he thrives on people doubting him so even if he's not the first quarterback off the board if he get if he gets if he's the third quarterback off the board the say he goes like 10th overall and he's the third quarterback off the board he is going to be a terror in the NFL just on the basis that he wasn't picked first and that's going to piss him off. And I think 
as much as I don't think he's got the it factor, I do think that chip on his shoulder will benefit him. Look at guys like Baker Mayfield, who was called undraftable by Colin Cowherd, then went on Colin Cowherd's show wearing a hoodie that says undraftable, totally took apart all his talk, talking points and then went out and broke rookie records. Um, and I feel like we're going to see that with Tua next year. He's been shit on by everyone and he had a chip on his shoulder at Alabama because people were saying, oh, Jalen Hurts was the better starter. I think Spencer Rattler, if he is picked first overall, it will be bad news for him. But if he is the third or fourth quarterback off the board, he is going to be scary. Yeah, well, he part, part of me hopes he doesn't end up at Houston with the number one overall pick because, yeah, that, that, yeah. Team, that, that team's a bad, bad team. But any other team, that, that arm talent is just ridiculous. We all know that, like I said, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, um, Justin Herbert, these guys weren't the first quarterbacks off their draft draft classes, but they all have one one thing in common, and Ratner's got that in, in abundance, absolutely in abundance. That it's a cannon. It's even more of a cannon than Ridders. Uh, he, he like once he because we've seen some errant throws from him, not so much last year, but the year before, definitely. If he can get to a team that's willing to ref, work with him and just refine him and take that swagger and turn it into something that's not a distraction for the locker room, it, it, we could be looking at um, the, the best quarterback in this draft class, without a doubt. And the thing is with him, you can tell there's a lot of natural ability there where there's some stuff mm-hmm. you just can't coach. It's that, that wrist snap. Like, you've either got it or you haven't, and he's got it. And, and the thing is, those uncoachables that are just naturally gifted – I think that's what can set you above the guys that need like like the Matt Corrales, for example, that need that extra coaching to really elevate them to that level. That's what I said earlier, like Jay Cutler, he's a lazy piece of shit, but his arm was absolutely ridiculous and he never worked on it or really like tried to refine it. And yeah. Spencer Rattler is, I'm not saying he's lazy or anything by any means, but he's got that cannon arm. He was just, you can't teach that. It, it's like, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, he can put people to sleep by just touching their chin very, very gently. He's got that off switch. It's something you can't teach. And Spencer Rat- Rattler definitely has that with in, in terms of arm talent. Yeah, well, although Deontay Wilder can't do it against Britain's own Tyson Fury, but... We'll Everyone wait. has that, their limitations. But that that's for a boxing podcast that me and Kieran are going to start in the, in the near future. So, <laughs> all good. Right, and then my number two, so... Rattler's my number one, but my number two is a name we haven't discussed today. A name that is probably the buzz name across the summer scouting status at the minute. It's Baby Malik. Lamar. Baby Lamar. It's, you know what? This is the, <laughs> right. This is on record. It's all over the podcasting platforms, and it's the only time I'm going to say it in the next year. Okay? Here's Lamar Jackson, but with arm talent. And that's the only time I'm going to say it. So if, if I say it on any of our pods, that's a fiver to our, a chosen charity. There you go. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll give it to uh, Lamar Jackson Foundation. We'll give it to Lamar Jackson Foundation. <laughs> yeah. but- no, I agree. I, like, I kind of agree with the comparison um, because he could be a pocket passer if he wanted to. Yeah. But he's at liberty and... Plays do break down occasionally. Uh, 
and he still makes it work. Like, I think he's great. But once again, he's a guy that I couldn't agree putting this high up because the level of competition he's played. Yeah, but, well, I, I just think his running ability, he, he came out of college as a high school athlete before he then transitioned to quarterback. So he's he's a known athlete. Obviously, it didn't work out in Auburn, and obviously they're probably regressing that now, uh, sticking with Bo Nix. So that and they, he, they got they got TJ Finley now, who is essentially Malik Willis, uh, Willis's arm talent without the physical uh, running ability. So you never well, know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the SEC next year for Auburn. But I just think that the running ability, the arm talent, and he's only he's only been a one year starter. So again, it's one of those things where he made such an impression in year one with a whole off season. We, we have to understand as well last year, last year was so interrupted with COVID, like having a full off season, spring camp, all eyes are going to be on him because he is the buzz name. Everyone wants that dual threat quarterback. I can see him. At, can you imagine Sean Payton with, with someone like Malik Willis, right? Someone that is a, can be that runner, but can be, a brilliant quarterback. He has, like you said, he's got the arm talent. He's got a strong arm, a deceptively strong arm. For a guy his stature, you wouldn't think, because he's quite wiry. Yeah, he's quite a slight-looking bloke, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. See, so you wouldn't think he's got that, he's got that capability to throw deep, to have velocity on it. To, to be, he's, His accuracy on the deep ball is actually very good. Where he needs to pick up his game is probably the intermediate and short level, whereby the accuracy and the touch passing, that could be something he can work on. But, He's got that ability, and it's again, it's natural ability. He he can he know he, he seems to read what's happening with the defenses, and is able to write on that split second either run or sometimes he 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 faints a run, goes back into the pocket, and then he'll deliver a pass. Like he, he he's fearless, and he and he's got that sort of that IQ that I just think, wow, there's there is something potentially special there if he could make that leap from year one to year two. Now he is a redshirt senior, so he's like he's been around a while, but obviously now he's got the keys to a quarterback room. This could be his time to shine. And and I do I will say this. I do like the way he throws when he's like off platform or like scrambling out the pocket. He can throw on the run and still put the ball where it needs to be. And a thing that we don't often see from college quarterbacks at the level he's at, and I, I don't mean D1, I mean guys who are like non-Power 5 teams, he can throw receivers open. And that's not easy thing. That's quite a hard thing to learn, especially when he's only realistically been playing quarterback for, what, 18 months now? Uh, and the fact that he can just throw people open, which is a very hard skill to learn. We've seen even guys who are in the NFL as rookies struggle to do that. Um, but But the one thing that concerns me is, is he going to rely on his athleticism too much? And what's the deal with his left arm? Because I'm worried that, you know, he, he's going to get sacked too hard and he's out for the season with like a broken arm or something. Yeah, and that, that is definitely a concern. But, you know, like you said earlier, with regards to how he plays off script and like some ridiculous throws, that, again, his natural talent. Like, like as a quarterback, you're never told to throw like across your body going the other direction to back into the, the, the sort of the hub of the defense, but he'll do that. And I can't remember who it was against, but it was, it was an absolutely phenomenal play. And I think it was a touchdown at the end of it, but it was just like, you can't like, you shouldn't be doing that 
you physically can't do that, but you did it. You got a touchdown, and it's just absolutely. It was just. It was just ridiculous. I'll, I'll find the clip and I'll mention it maybe in another podcast. But it was like that's just natural ability there. Also, their bowl game against Coastal. Yeah. Very, very good game after. You know, the season was hampered by a lot of things. Uh, and despite the fact that he didn't throw a touchdown and had two picks, he, he was he had 210 yards and he had 137 yards on the ground and four touchdowns on the ground. It's now, ridiculous. the coastal defense, their secondary especially, was a big surprise for a lot of people last year. Uh, and Grayson McCall was definitely the better thrower of that game. But the win came for Liberty because Malik Willis, no matter when a play break down, he could just take off. And 6.5 yards per carry as a quarterback? Come on, man. That's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's intriguing, to say the least. There's... It just speaks to the things we were saying about his intermediate and short accuracy. That's where the picks came in that game. And... Yeah, it, it was no touchdowns and two picks, but four touchdowns on the ground. You can't ignore that in, in terms of like athletic talent. A hundred percent. And that 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 is what he is. He is a dual threat quarterback. Like if he can if he can't do it with his arm, he'll do it with his legs. If he could if he could mesh the two at all levels, like uh, deep, uh, deep, intermediate, and short, there is a quarterback there that is 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 probably the most well-rounded out of all of them. And also as well, like like what happened with Lamar Jackson, if he does if he does get drafted, the system and the scheme is so important that it's tailored around him. That's why... 12-man sets. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it, it, he could be a late first-round quarterback. And if the Saints are there, I could see him at the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton just going, yes, please. I've got, I've got a bit of Jameis and a bit of... Uh, uh, Taysom Hill, combine them together, and then I've got my perfect quarterback already there. I was going to say because Jameis would be a perfect guy for him to sit behind. Yeah, a guy who has these great physical abilities in terms of arm talent and stuff, but needs a lot of refinement. I mean, he's he's going to have eyes this season, which will de- definitely benefit Jameis Winston. But <sighs> another guy whose ceiling is through the through the fucking roof. I know, and and we're, we're quite down on this year's quarterbacks, but I think give it a year, and I think we're going to be really enthused by come draft time next year that there are some there are some really good quarterbacks this year, and that's going to happen when you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence in the previous draft and a guy like Joe Burrow the draft before that. It's going to be hard to compare to you know sixty touchdown Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence who. <coughs> has been looked at as like this generational talent since before he even committed to Clemson. So even though these are great quarterbacks, it's going to be hard to look at them in the same esteem as a guy like a Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's the intrigue of watching a full season. Then like, like we said, guys come out of nowhere, guys maintain or night or guys step up from mid first rounders to first round picks, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's, that's why, that's why now is, it's just so intriguing. But who's so? Who's your number one? Oh, I'm gonna get slated for this, and I it's Sam Howe, uh, a guy we've already talked about. I just uh, this is look. You can give us your number one. 
as well because it's a guy I've already talked about. So, yeah. well, mine's Spencer Rattler, and everyone could tell by how I was talking about him that he he's the next coming or could potentially be the next coming. But you you convinced me about Sam Howell because I just don't see it. I know we've talked about it earlier, but just just yeah, I I need I need I need to see something that I haven't seen before. Four, four words: game manager, pro ready. I don't think he's gonna necessarily possesses the most arm talent or is the best physical athlete but he's a guy who you could put into almost any system day one and he he's gonna bring you results because like I said he takes what the defense gives him he's happy to dink and dunk and the Dwayne Haskin comparison is bad but look at Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State he absolutely thrived by just dinking and dunking and taking what defenses gave him um he, it's a very milk toast pick for me. Like it's just super plain and uh, and a little bit boring. But he is a game manager. He doesn't necessarily risk too many things for it. But and that's maybe why he's not looked at as this top guy because he doesn't throw caution to the wind that much. But we've seen in some performances he can come out and be an absolute gunslinger. Uh, it's week to week with him, and I think he takes what defense is given, which is why we've seen performances where he will throw. 10 checkdowns in the first quarter, but they come out in the fourth quarter and throw a couple absolute bombs. Um, my only big problem with him is he just needs some refinement of his IQ. Just iron out those silly mistakes. And I think you've got a perfectly pro-ready quarterback who, I hate to say it, it's kind of like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, no, like, yeah, like we talked about earlier, but I think, I think one of the things that we didn't mention earlier is the fact that he was a starter in his true freshman season. So he has... He's getting three years of college experience, which none of the other guys don't don't have. So that is going to be a big advantage for him. Yeah, it's this is why I like Shane Bouchelle so much. Uh, last year was purely down to experience. He had a ton of experience. He had forty something college games under his belt, and I thought because that's how you get better as a quarterback is you play games. There's nothing you can do in the weight room or on the training field besides ironing out mechanics that gets you better than actually playing people because then you know what to do in certain situations. It's very rare that you're going to encounter a unique situation that you've never faced before after 40 plus college games. You're going to see essentially the same things in the NFL, except a bit more complex and a little bit faster. Um, yeah, I, I, this is a pick that I, I find hard to like rationalize other than just he's very plain, he's very safe, and I think I'm erring on the side of caution too much maybe with this pick than going for like the Spencer Rattler who is just a ridiculously talented guy and just going with a guy who I feel like is going to be safe. You can put him in the Texan system he only needs a couple of receivers and he can probably win you a few games a year. He's just not going to blow anyone away unless he goes to a team that's already fairly established. If I have the opportunity to play poker with you, I know what kind of poker player you are now. You're not, you're not a very much an all-in kind of guy. It's just very much... I just sit there. I just, just sit. fold, fold, fold. <laughs> you, you, you say that. I, I, I've had some crazier... Uh, more dangerous takes with my uh, Josh Allen tattoo bet that you are more than willing to get in on. Um, if you don't know yes. the bet, I, if I said if Josh Allen doesn't win an MVP or Super Bowl 
within the next five years, I will get Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer tattooed on like my shoulder blade or something. Some somewhere where it's going to be visible at times. Um, well, make sure you insta live that when that day happens. Hey, did one MVP last year? It's going to happen this year because oh. uh, cool. we don't know where Aaron Rodgers is playing. But um, yeah, it, it, it it's one of those things. I just think. It's a it's a very safe pick because he is pro ready in terms of he'll go out there he'll move the ball he'll manage the game much like we saw with Baker Mayfield last year if you put him on a team with a fair amount of weapons and a good running back he can lead a team to the playoffs he's just only going to have thirty or so touchdowns a year and that's his ceiling but he's yeah. a safe safe pick. No, it's. We, we all have our own opinions. I, I have rap number one. I don't need to go over it again because, yeah, he's he is the man for me this year. But let's just go through our, our top five lists again. So you run down from five to one, your, your top five. Yeah, Matt Coral, Ole Miss. And then we got Keaton Slovis, USC. Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati. Uh, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. And Sam Howe. UNC. Yeah, sounds great. And mine is uh, Sam Howell, number five from UNC, four, Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, three, Carson Strong, Nevada, two, Malik Willis, Liberty, and number one, I think by a long way in my in my rankings, Spencer Rattler. So we've gone through our top five. Who is your most overhyped one? So who is the guy that's about you see on the mock drafts you think what the hell is he doing there and he just needs to get a bit of realism to say okay we're not quite there yet see oh i don't want to say it because i really like him but malik willis i think he's being hyped i think there's (laughs) i think there's way too much hype behind him i think he's a very very good quarterback but people are talking about him like he's already won a Super Bowl or the MVP. And I think we just need to temper those expectations a little bit because he's never going to go into the NFL and be great in his first year. Like I said, the ceiling's high, but it needs a ton of refinement. So I think he is way too overhyped, but that doesn't mean I don't think he's good. I just think the hype is here and he's here. I can see, obviously, I can see what levels you're talking about. Yeah. I completely understand why he's overhyped. The the actual volume of work isn't sparse, but it's a case of, are you going to take the volume of work as it is now and be excited about it? Or do you want to see more more of that volume or, or even a, a step up from year one to year two to really convince you that, that he might be the guy? Yeah, I just, I just want to see more because yeah. if, if I see more, uh, and like I said, against Power 5 teams... That's that's when we're gonna know. That's when we're gonna know if he's the real deal or not. So until then, I'm gonna have to say he's overhyped. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna disappoint you because my most overhyped quarterback, who I've talked, we've talked about earlier, is Keaton Slovis. I just, I just can't see it. I, like I said earlier, his his IQ is not great. I think he gets really frazzled in the pocket as well. If you can't see his first or second read, then he. This is that sort of panic I can see. And he relies so much on Drake London. And I just don't think that he, he hasn't got the IQ that I want to see in a in a first round, potentially first round quarterback. Because in all of the mock drafts, he is somewhere within that first round. Whether it's, I've seen him at number one overall. I've seen him in the top five. I've seen him in the 
middle of mock drafts is but he's always within that conversation i just can't see it and there, there's so much to his game that he needs to work on and i, I think it's too much the, the footwork the iq the, the pocket presence the just his reading of the game i just i, I just don't see it and I think USC made a big mistake in, in actually letting JT Daniels go to Georgia because he is, all right, he had the knee injury and last year he played four games for Georgia and you could tell that knee injury was on his mind. If any if, if any defender came close to that knee, it just really yeah. threw him off mentally. But he was a five-star quarterback coming out of high school. He broke all records in California coming out coming into USC, like he was like severely heavily recruited. And I just think they should have stuck with him. He, he has the traits of a, you can, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell that he has a high IQ. He knows what he's doing, especially in the pocket. And I just think they made the wrong decision getting rid of him and, and, and sticking with Slovis. Cause I just, I just don't see that. I just don't see that in Keaton Slovis. No, I I understand that as well. I and I am sort of apprehensive because of US USC's reputation for producing absolutely fantastic busts. But uh I I just like what I see with him. And there's there's two guys I'm gonna mention when we get to underrated that you know, maybe sort of in similar situations to that. Who are those guys then? I am so the one who I think maybe not as underrated as I think, I just don't see his name mentioned enough, is Brock Purdy from Iowa State. Now, I know, I know, I see you grimacing. They're six and three uh, when they let him pass for over 300 yards a game and they just put the ball in his hands and let him go. He looked better as a runner last year. I just, I just think a Big 12 championship run is definitely in their future with Brock Purdy. Uh, and the other guy, now this was a, a tough call for, I was going to pick for the second guy because I couldn't just pick one. And it was either Dorian Thompson, who I decided to just, I watched some more tape and thought, no, he's dog shit, but also Chip Kelly as a coach. Uh, and that's Grayson McCall out of Coastal. Uh, I think he's severely underrated, despite the fact that um, Coastal are very much an up-and-coming team. Like I said earlier, in that championship game where they took a three-point loss to Liberty and your guy Malik Willis, 318 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 96 yards on the ground and a touchdown, which he's not really a scrambler. And he had the same yards per carry uh, as Malik Willis. But I think, once again, this is uh, an example of a guy being at a small school and it hurting him. I can see why Grayson McCall is, is, is one of your dark horses. I, I, I just can't, I just can't get on the Brock Purdy train. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> last year compared to the year before, it was a, a significant downturn. And I just, I just don't like quarterbacks going on that trajectory. And, and, Every time I watch Iowa State games, I don't think Brock Purdy is is the answer of the offense. It's Brees Hall, and I I just I he doesn't he doesn't elevate that team for me. To 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 well, basically he's got to shift. He's got to do a complete one eighty this year to prove me wrong. Because last year I I just did it, it wasn't yeah not for me thank you. Uh, I yeah I. 
I know he's not to everyone's taste. I just, like I said, they're, they're six and three when they just put the ball in his hands and let him play. I don't think it's quite a let Russ cook situation there, but he he definitely has some talent and another guy that just needs refining. And I think Iowa State sort of is like, beside Brees Hall, they're sort of like a talent-strapped team. There's not any particular guy that jumps out at you besides maybe these two. Um yeah, and that's, that's literally the same thing I've done with Grayson McCall. He's just at a smaller school. I think being at Coastal potentially hurts his draft stock because it's harder for these guys to get looks. But in past years, I've had some terrible takes on dark horse quarterbacks. So I could be wrong. I thought Luke Falk and uh, Anthony Gordon were going to be great. And then I realized I should probably stop looking at Washington State guys because it's just that system that makes them look good. Well... To, to make you feel at ease, I actually thought Luke Falk was a, a, a decent quarterback as well. And yeah, our, but our eyes are usually good. So we're allowed to take a few a few bumps and maybe a few few L's on the road. But I, we, we probably have 95% accuracy, right? 95 times out of 100, we're pretty much spot. I was going to say, I took a big W of my defensive dark horse in uh, Logan Wilson, who ended up at Cincinnati. A lot of people had him mocked as like, fifth or sixth and I said if Cincinnati went up and got him in the third that would be fantastic they went up and got him in the third and he actually looked pretty decent at linebacker last year yeah there you go see everyone listen to Kieran's hot takes that there are some juicy ones in there usually only on defense though only on defense yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh Diggy Zua yeah also Diggy Zua is going to kill he's, him he's gonna, he's our, he's our, that wave. he's our guy he's our guy right I've got two dark horses as well right first and we haven't met you haven't mentioned them and so that they're brand new to our conversation. Number one is Phil Djukovic. From Boston, right? From Boston College. Six foot five. So he is, again, the prototypical... Huge. Yeah, massive, massive guy. He's not nimble in the pocket. He he is... He reminds me a lot of Big Ben or, or, or probably more... A better version of Mason Rudolph. I think that's a that's a that would probably be a very good comparison. But you you watch him for Boston College, like he one thing you don't like to see, but you actually like to see is he will put his receivers in danger. So you watch a lot of uh, the tape for Ball last passes. year. passes. Yeah, he, he he doesn't matter. Like if he sees his receiver, he, he's just gonna he's just gonna go for it. If, if even if they're about to catch their break, like he he's just gonna throw it. He doesn't care if Zay Flowers or last year Hunter Long as well. He doesn't care if they get absolutely smashed. Like he's going to go for it. But I love that fearless like attitude. And he's got a, a a good arm. He knows how to throw a deep ball. And you need to see the production of Zay Flowers last year to say, right, well, there must be a decent quarterback there that's that's providing him with with that service. He's just a bit of a statue. I think he's that's the only real problem. But he's got a great offensive line at Boston College, so he can Amazing. sort of get away with it, which is why I'm worried about like NFL potential if he goes to a team that doesn't quite have the best offensive line. He's going to be getting hit a lot. But he's got that prototype, typical size, and he is he's going back to the old ages pretty much with, with, with sort of his play style. But there's still room for those guys in today's NFL. And... It could be a he could be a, a very serviceable backup, but one thing is he would be he's going to be fun. Yeah, of course. It's it's just those. Every time I see like a six foot five guy, like a Josh Allen trot out onto the field, 
you know you're going to see at least one fun play. Yeah. Or is it, who else? Is Jacob Eason's like 6'5", isn't he? He's, he's an yeah, absolute ridiculous. beast. Yeah, and I mean, they know Brock Osweiler, what was he, 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, yeah, but he, he didn't have an arm. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, he was just giant. Yeah. He couldn't throw the ball. He's just a, just a, he, he was the, the statue in the backfield. But the, the other... Can the I other try court- and predict who I think you're going to say? Go on. Either Michael Penix Jr. or Dylan Gabriel. Well, you knew I was going to go for a lefty because obviously I've got a penchant for like looking at lefties. Is Michael Penix Jr.? I just... Was that the right choice? Yeah, yeah, that was the first guy I said. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. See for him or Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> it's Michael Penix Jr. And the thing is, obviously, we all know that the injuries have literally stopped him for three of the last four years, especially with the injuries, right? But last year, before he got his injuries, he was he was playing with some sauce and he's got some fizz on his throws. Like he is not again, like Djokovic, he's not he's not scared to to really throw it in those tight windows, and he's got some arm talent there there is some real zip on those balls and we all know that lefties a lefty quarterback always looks better than the right-handed quarterback it's just something about them just it just, it just looks good right but god the crazy thing is though we talk about lefties michael Penix is actually left-handed Tua isn't left-handed this is the crazy story his dad taught him to throw with his left hand it's crazy i know so which is ridiculous because his brother's right-handed as well and throws his right arm and he's a bag of shit so maybe they're onto something or maybe Maybe you should confuse defences and maybe you don't know which which hand he's going to throw it from, but that might confuse wide receivers as well, which way the ball's spiralling. Also, Penix's uh, goal line thing against Penn State. Yeah. Like, obviously, we all went over the jokes of, oh, by the tip of the Penix or whatever, but <laughs> that was a signature play for him last year. He will put his body on the line for a win. Well, that's why his body's pretty much broken anyway. But if he can get one full season at Indiana... And just displaced, like there was some, like there were some real exciting plays and real exciting games last year. And yeah, just that he's he's probably got more zip than Tua in terms of his his, his velocity and his sort of his his, his speed. But I, I yeah I, I I just want yeah I'm excited. I ho- I hope he doesn't get injured this year. I think that's what we're yeah. all hoping for. He doesn't get injured. And if we can get a full season out of him, then I think we can really determine come come March April time whether there there is some there is some real source about him. The problem is I don't think he gives a shit about getting injured, and that's no. the worrying because he, uh, like I said in that Penn State game, he just fucking laid it out there, uh, and he got absolutely annihilated, but didn't seem bothered. And coaches will love that. They're like that that fearless attitude you like this guy's going to do what happens in the playoffs yeah well he's going to give me 110 percent, right and yeah if he's a backup quarterback and like you need someone to like just maybe i don't know just 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 give it all on the line and just put your body on the line then he's the guy like he's yeah there's something about him just yeah i i really like watching I mean, look at last year before he, you know, hurt himself. Sixteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, only four picks. He, yeah, he was. He looked great. And Indiana, not really a powerhouse 
school, but I can tell you for a fact that I know people from this area were very close to Indiana and they're very excited about this kid. They actually, there's people now who aren't just claiming they're Notre Dame fans, uh, Notre Dame fans um, from that area. <laughs> My girlfriend works with a guy called uh, Jason who loves the Hoosiers and he's very, very excited about Michael Penix and what he's been able to do at the program so far. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'll always, I'll always look back at the Indiana game against Ohio State last year, and in, in particular with Jamar Johnson at safety. But even Penix Jr. last year, like he, he was against one of the top defences in the country. He really did not disgrace himself at all. No, he looked great. And yeah. I, I, the injury is like the only thing that scares me off of him. Like, just because if you want a franchise guy, do you want a guy who's potentially injury prone? Now... I know it sort of paid off with Tua. He had some horrendous injuries before the Dolphins took him, but obviously you're a massive Tua fan. And I think you see a little bit of Tua in Michael Penix Jr. I think that's that's why I had him in the back of my head as a name that you were potentially going to pick. Yeah, because he's got that IQ. He's got that pocket poise. And he's more fearless than Tua. He he hasn't got the the accuracy or or the... Tua's got that elevated IQ and sort of you can see the difference between those two it's pretty clear on an eye test but there is something there with Penix Jr that it's just it's just intriguing really intriguing my only issue with him is outside of the injuries is that sometimes he'll get stuck on his first read a little bit too long and then if it's not open he'll just tuck the ball and run rather than (laughs) going you know going through his progressions properly he'll sit there on his first read for a a couple seconds and then be like it's not open and just take off but once again that's something that can be coached exactly depending on the, the style of offense and 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 again he might learn now he can't have any more injuries if he wants to if he wants to earn the big bucks in the nfl like he's maybe got to learn to protect his body a lot more and that will then develop his passing game that will then develop his iq that would develop his, his ability to read defense so that, that that's what you want to see this year yeah, I want to see how he can do as a pocket passer. And then if he excels at that, definitely will be shooting up my list, maybe even close uh, to the top five. Yeah, 100% agree. Good. Right. So I think that's all done and dusted today, Kieran. I think I think it was a great chat. And, and really, it's already getting my juices flowing for the upcoming holiday season. And, and obviously what we can expect March, April time next year. But Kieran, do you want to give us uh, a bit of info about yourself in terms of where we can find you and uh, things up and coming for yourself? Yeah, I am at the Himbo F10Y on Twitter. Working on a couple of things right now. Like I said, football season is coming back. So I'm starting to get a little bit uh, more motivation right now. And I think over the coming weeks, we're planning a few big group articles as a group at full 10 yards. And obviously we've got the NFL season guide coming up soon. If you want to get the inside scoop on what's happening to the Washington football team and the New England Patriots, definitely go ahead and grab yourself a copy. And uh, me, I'm at The Garch on Twitter. Uh, please give a read to Andy's articles. They're really, really good on the uh, ACC and what to expect. There's some really great content there from Andy. And in terms of obviously my content, I'll be looking at, within the team, I'll be looking more sort of uh, like a, looking at the uh, summer scouting and also the, the rookies, how they're going to perform in year one in the NFL, just to see, okay, we did the draft guy down. Let's see whether, whether the draft guy we did is 
consistent with what to expect this year. But lots of exciting things. The season's up and coming. So is it only six weeks left? So it's going to be loads of stuff coming. And and the season guide. We had a, a little little snippet of the of the preview video, which looked absolutely amazing. So that will be with you shortly. And more details will be coming out both on our Twitter handles and elsewhere on the full 10 yards network so that's it from us thanks everyone for your time today and listening and um cheers kieran thank you so much for tuning in to the full 10 yards thank you for tuning into the full 10 yards college football podcast we have great information and some great content for you guys keep on flying that flag